Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. Got my co-host alongside me, the grayest of gray beards, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting, and I did not butcher your name, not even a little bit tonight. How are you doing tonight, Elliot? I'm doing good. That was really well done. So a running theme <laughs> for us lately we've been talking about is TikTok. And so as I was saying a little bit, I'm kind of a pissed off at you because you have pushed me into TikTok, and now the amount of time that I'm spending on that stupid app looking at things that are funnier than the ever is uh, I'm going to get up getting a divorce because of you did TikTok. <laughs> well, let's hope it doesn't go that far. Let's hope it doesn't let's go. Hope. We'll have to, we'll have to do a review. We'll have to do a review on our, uh, our brownie point system that we put out a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stay off TikTok. Which, well, my wife, she, she's doing her illustration. She doesn't care what I'm doing. I'm on one couch. She's on the other. She doesn't, she doesn't care what I'm doing over there, except so she's like, put your headphones in. I've heard that same TikTok song like a thousand oh, times. Yeah. Are they like stuck in your head yet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are. It's ridiculous. You know what? The, the most annoying one is stuck in my head. It's that boner alert one. I hate that one. <laughs> Matt did it. And it's stuck in my head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> like, oh. <laughs> Oh, I would yeah. not use that. I would not make that into a video. I know Matt did, and it was funny, yeah. but I wouldn't. I yeah, wouldn't. there's some. Yeah, I always I I do cheer, try to keep mine like clean too. You know, as far as like that, um, mm-hmm. and same with like, you know, I mean each to each their own on that. Like if you want to do that, I'm not like calling out Matt or anything. Like it's a funny yeah, video. Yeah. Um, but yeah. even like with cussing and all that, like I try to stray away from from those type of TikToks. But there's are some that are on there that are funny that have that kind of stuff, and I'm like, oh, yeah. I can't use that. <laughs> I will say it is bar none the most entertaining social media app that I've ever ever seen. It is it makes Instagram seem like sitting in an algebra class. <laughs> That's a good one. You know? I don't even hardly go to I mean it's so entertaining, man. Yeah. And there is more and more and more waterfowl content on there uh-huh. recently. Did you notice that? It's all yeah. over now. Oh yeah. I think you know, people are getting back into it. I've even seen like on my own content. I was telling you this before. This like I haven't been able to post as much this week, but even without that, like my uh, content's just been like you know exploding on there. So, um, yeah, like you said, it, it, it's everything. Everybody's thinking about waterfowl, so everybody's posting more on there. Um, so yeah, it's cool. I hope that I hope that the TikTok waterfowl community um, just keeps growing. I, I love to see more and more waterfowlers on there, um, and I hope that us talking about it to our audience can be a catalyst to get you know more and more a bigger TikTok waterfowl community. Cause like you said, I love seeing that. Yeah, me too. I mean, mine's not growing like yours, but I'm, I'm still, I'm actually starting to get it and understand it a little bit. Um, my TikTok still aren't to your level, but at least I'm understanding the system more so than I did before. Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah. Um, yeah. but kind of talking, uh, talking about the brownie points that we're talking, I got an email. I haven't even told you this yet. So I'm going to, um, every once in a while we get emails about our podcast, um, you know, usually for good reasons. 
Um, but I'm going to read this one to you. So <laughs> we had one from someone called Hillary. And the um, subject is reaction to how to keep your girl happy during duck season. So that's the episode we did a couple weeks back about keeping your girl, girlfriend, wife, whatever it is, happy during duck season. So starts off, hi, Jordan. On a recent road trip with my husband, we were listening to your Duck Gun podcast. When I first heard the subject announced, how to keep your girl happy, I had two initial thoughts. First was, maybe they're talking about their female duck dogs. My second was... <laughs> If they're talking about their wife's girlfriend, this could get interesting. I have to admit my bias up front that I was worried I'd hear some sexist, offensive commentary about how to manipulate the females in your life. <laughs> I'm a happy, I, I'm a, I am a female hunter, so I've heard my share of disparaging remarks about wives and girlfriends, the old ball and chain, air quotes, um, act even from some of my own friends and hunting partners. I'm so hot. I was so happy to hear the conversation that followed. My husband and I waterfowl hunt together a lot. I grew up hunting, and my dad was one of the most old-school types. He was going to hunt no matter what anyone told him or how many brownie points he had. I will brag about him, though. He raised four hunters, two male and two female. He never treated any of us different and gave us the same opportunities to get out in the field. Anyhow, I absolutely love the episode and the rest of the ones we listened to. I think we listened four in all. I have a baby now, so our seasons will look a little different since we can't both hunt at the same time, but we do the same things as you guys uh, talk about. Make time for each other uh, when we know we're going to be gone all day. Building up the brownie points, taking turns, act. Just wanted to say great job and way to promote wonderful message about balancing life and outdoor passions. So... I thought can't, I thought that was a, much, yeah, awesome. That was, yeah, that was a cool a cool response to hear about um, what we had to say. Yeah, I mean, I don't. There are certain times when I mean, I know you get it and I get it too, where people reach out and message us, and sometimes it's just asking a question about this. Sometimes they're asking questions about that. But every now and then, someone takes the time and sends the most meaningful, thoughtful message that really, really touches you, you know, it's like, Oh man, that makes me feel so good that you would say something like that. And I think for me, I'm sure you probably felt the same, but that's one of those. It's like, it makes me feel so good to think about some wife and her husband sitting there and her worried about, you know, the crap we're going to say. And, 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 you know, we did women justice in that, in that episode. And, and that was awesome. Thank you for sharing that. It's cool. Yeah. Super cool. Shout out to Hillary. I hope uh, you guys have a good season this year. Yeah, thank you, Hillary. And and you know, if you guys ever want to reach out to Jordan and I and say hey, and we can be reached on multiple different social media outlets. And I personally, I I love hearing from people, and I respond to all of them. Some of them I don't. Resp- some of them are shorter responses than others, but I I always. I mean, every now and then one slips uh, slips through the crack, but I always I like hearing from people. Yeah, and, and talking to them. Yeah. So. Definitely agree. So, Jordan, I don't know if I should – every now and then I like to just share some personal stuff that I find funny that isn't really waterfowl hunting related. And um, so this is kind of a good polar opposite of what you just shared. So <laughs> okay. um, this Go is – I'm going to share with you a text that my mom sent my son, okay? And I just want your reaction to this text, okay? Because my son got this text out of the blue. He had no, I had no reference at all. My son's name is Nevin. And she says, Nevin – I really have a phone problem. I was doing some research about some elite people like the Clintons who have been accused of hurting children. 
Somehow it got me connected to some very evil people through my calendar who are messaging me sometimes, even hourly, about horrible things. And those horrible things were sexual things. I'll I'll add in there myself. I cannot get rid of them, and it is so disgusting. Have you ever heard of such a thing, and how in the world can I get rid of it? I will try asking YouTube. (laughs) What's your reaction to that text? (laughs) I'd be scared. (laughs) She's researching the Clintons. (laughs) Have you ever heard the whole Q theory thing? The what? Oh. The Q theory. Yeah. Okay. It's it's really – so my mom was doing some research on, on Q which I actually watched a 10 part documentary series on it as well. And I'm not like, Oh, I'm a big Q guy. I'm not, but it's, it's whether it's fictional or not, it's interesting. And so she, my mom gets researching the Clintons and somehow she attaches her email calendar to like some <laughs> kind of like sex group or something. And she's getting like, <laughs> like sexual invites all the time on her phone. It's like set on her calendar of like these events. <laughs> and so she emails my son that. Uh, I think that's funny enough to share. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely funny. But I wouldn't want to help get rid of that, I guess. <laughs> Those damn Clintons, man. You a couple searches. The next thing you know, on your Google calendars is... All sorts of escapade groups. <laughs> yeah, your drive might get deleted or something with all your emails. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he ever helped her with that or not. I think she got it figured out. Nice. Well, should we uh, jump into the topic for the week? Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. All right, guys. Our topic for the week is going to be um, our hunt hunts we have planned out for the year. So we got all the hunts planned out, or I guess this will be what would be in a perfect world. Maybe not perfect, but we're we're reaching, we're stretching, um, and we're burning all our brownie points in the first couple months. So <laughs> um, we're gonna go ahead and share those with you. But before we do that, let's take a quick word and or quick quick break and jump to our partners. So uh, first off, I'd like to give a big thanks out to our partners from HDR Innovations. Guys, uh, we are doing the promotion for the gun stand for the full month of July. I know that some of you guys have actually gone out and purchased because I recognize you guys from the podcast and, and YouTube channel and all that. And then, um, you know, I've seen that you guys have purchased it. So awesome. Cool to see that. Cool to see um, pictures of you guys posting up and Fellowship the Duck Gun. Um, but the HTR gun stand is a marsh stand. It's aluminum, super lightweight, honestly, like mind-blowingly weight, uh, mind-blowingly light. Um, you stick it in the mud. It keeps your gun out of the water. Um, this year we've added accessory uh, points where you can clip on your blind bag, your game strap, keep everything out of the water that way as well. You know, put your box of shell right next to your gun. Um, but it's just your all-in-one solution to keep everything out of the water. Uh, we got them in mallard green and marsh grand marsh grass tan and so like i said uh they're something that you're not going to want to hunt without if you're hunting um out there in the marsh standing in the water use code duck gun 10 at checkout for 10 percent off have you guys ever thought about making uh, dog stands at htr we get that question all the time that's crazy we literally get that question all the time well it seems like with the products you guys make that you could probably i don't know yeah Anyway, I need I need a new dog stand. The one that uh, Titus left me by accident broke, so hopefully he won't <laughs> ask for it back. Don't. Hopefully he's not listening because <laughs> it's broken. Uh, Gunner Kennels, um, we've you know you guys have heard us talk about it a lot, and 
just cannot, we're going to keep stressing it. You know, we, your dog is something that you should keep safe. And most of us keep our dogs in the back of a truck in a kennel. And that kennel needs to be um, strong and it needs to be strapped in. And so for, you know, most of, most of my dog hunting life, I've just had a little plastic Walmart cheapie. If, if anything really happens, man, that dog's going to die if you get into a wreck and you want to give your dog the best possible safety measures you can. You buy one Gunner Kennel, it's going to be the only one you ever buy because it's not going to fall apart. So um, go to Gunner Kennels. The product code is capital D duck gun, capital G, no space, and then a space and 10 for 10% off. It is worth it. Go take a look at it and, and keep that dog safe. Get it done. It's worth it. Awesome. Also, we'd like to give a big thanks out to Motion Motion Duck Decoy Spreader. Um, they are one of our newest partners for the podcast. We had them on last year as well. You guys have seen them. Me and Elliot loved using their product all last year. Um, they have the Ultimate Spreader and then the regular spreader. It is a jerk rig on steroids. Um, the Ultimate Spreader, you can put seven ducks on it. You use it just like a jerk rig, except for it has something similar to like tent posts that push your ducks out and your spread. And when you pull it, the ducks just go back and forth in a super lifelike motion. If you haven't seen it, definitely check out a video of it. When you see the video, you'll be sold. Um, it just looks so much more realistic than a jerk rig. And it breaks down in in minute, like in a minute, maybe less. Um, and then you just sling it over your shoulder and you're walking out. So super mobile. And when you get it out in your spread, the best motion you can get um, from something similar to a jerk rig, just way better. Uh, so definitely check those guys out as well and use code DUCKGUN2020 at checkout um, and you'll get 10% off uh, over there as well. And lastly, I want to talk about Bandit, Avery, and GHG, um, three companies that are all under the same umbrella and they are also partners with us. As you guys know, Jordan and I both switched over to the Breathables last year and absolutely loved them. In fact, I had a close friend um, contact me and wanted to ask me about it. Should he get them? Should he not get them? And I, anytime, even off air, people ask me like, yeah, yeah. I mean, my experience with waders is eventually you're going to get leaks in all of them. You, you know, you just are, but these waders for me held up better than any of the neoprene that I had had. I, I'd been going through my, about a pair of waders every 13 hunts was kind of what I'd been doing for the last six, seven, eight years. And so, um, I made it through the, the band is just did better. They, they did better than, than the neoprenes. They just did. And they're easy. If you do get a leak, they're easier to find where the leak is. And then you can patch them up more easily. So, um, I would definitely suggest you guys switch over to that banded, um, You can access all three of those Avery and G obviously they've got hundreds and hundreds of products and they got a new line coming out. So go check it out. Awesome. Also, we'd like to give a big thanks out to finisher, um, adrenaline, you can, you can find all their products easily on the internet. Um, the finisher, if you guys aren't familiar with it, is a little um, device that's used to finish off your bird. Um, you know, you don't have to struggle with wringing its neck or trying to do the crazy Cajun crunch. Um, there's just a small learning curve figuring out how to use it right. But once you figure it out, you just slip it in the back of their head and finish off your bird. It protects them from mounting. It's the most quick and efficient and ethical way uh, to finish off your bird. Um, and as hunters, we definitely need to take the prey that we are going after. Their lives are important, um, and doing it the right way is important as well. So definitely check them out. He's got all different types of birds painted on the finishers. Super nifty tool. 
Um, so definitely check those guys out as well. Duck Gun 15 for 15% off over on their website. And then lastly, guys, we'd like to give a big thanks out to you guys, the listeners of the podcast. Um, really appreciate you guys tuning in with us week in, week out. Um, definitely cool. Coming into July, into the end of July, into August now, and you know, a large portion of our uh, of our audience coming back alive, getting more ready for waterfowl season. So um, just want you guys to know that we're here still pumping out the content now that you're thinking about waterfowl season again. So appreciate you guys tuning in with us. So like I said, we're going to jump in and talk about our hunting trips for the year. Ready, Elliot? I'm ready, man. I, I, you asked me today, you're like, have you written out your calendar? Yep, man. I <laughs> about, I'd say early mid July is when I typically get, I always use Google, Google calendars for everything. And so I go through there and I put on days of work in which I don't have school and which weekend where I think I'm going to go at which times. And it's just another way to just daydream about waterfowl hunting. It's like the same thing with freelance hunt stats. It's like, people are like, I'm not a numbers guy. It's like, it's not about numbers and numbers guy. It's about being able to daydream about waterfowl hunting. And it's the same thing with making the calendar for me. It's like, Oh, this, this weekend I'm going here and that weekend I'm going there, you know, and that doesn't always get followed, but it's certainly done and ready to go. Yeah. So, I mean, we put together, I would say we put together, it's like, it's borderline dream, but also it's realistic because we know what we do. Um, <laughs> which is make a lot of waterfowl content. Um, mm-hmm. So this is like our tentative plans for what we would like to see happen. Um, you know, I would say going through the first three quarters of the season. So it's it's pretty hard to see out beyond that. So, um, yeah. So um, I guess let's let's take turns and start with like September. Okay. Go ahead. All right. Well. Being an educator, I don't know when I'm going back to work yet. Um, In the state of Kansas, it's kind of a mess because the governor said, well, we're not going to have school after Labor Day, but she doesn't have the executive power to do that. So they voted on it today and it was a 5-5 split. So here we are at the end of July and I don't even know if and when I'm going back to school. And so that that makes a big difference for my calendar. So my my calendar is written in as though I have I will actually be teaching and and be at school. Um, <laughs> so wait, was that vote to be end of September or be later, mm-hmm. like the five five split? The vote. Well, when when this whole COVID thing started, the governor she was like one of the Kansas was like one of the first states where she's like no school until the end of the year. We're just done. And so um, she's a Democrat. Well, the Republicans were like, oh, too much power for, for her. So they made an, exe- an order saying, OK, the governor doesn't have that much power anymore. The school board has to vote on it. So she came out and said, I, we're not, we don't want to start schools until after Labor Day at the earliest. And so the school board then voted on it, and it was a 5-5 split. So that means that her order does not register. So, But she wants – all they've said is after Labor Day. So I, I'm guessing that means like to reevaluate it. I, I don't know. It could, so it be, could be earlier. It could be later. No. It, well, yeah, at this point, yeah, because her, her order didn't go through. She did not want it to start until after Labor Day, Labor Day being the 7th of September. So I think the idea was they were going to maybe try to start it on the 9th of September, which actually for my hunting, that's worst case scenario because like I get – I get 10 days off with my district and I can, they're not sick days. I can just take them whenever I want. And so it, they are not going to ask me why I'm taking them. You have 10 days, take them how you want to take them. 
And so if we start in August, then I've already had three or four or five weeks of school before hunting season starts. And that's a much better scenario for me. So for example, because even on my calendar, I even mark, okay, I think I'm going to take this day off here. Well, the first day that I had set to take off was Friday the 11th um, because our Kansas teal opener is on the 12th. So I was going to take Friday off. Well, if we start school September 9th, I can't take the third day of school off. I just can't. There's just, I just can't. I mean, I, I could, but ethically to do my job properly, I can't just be like, oh, you know, two days of school going <laughs> hunting. It's just not right. So it kind of screws me up in that way to where my September days off that I want to take. I would almost rather it start begin at regular and then we get off um, at Thanksgiving or something like that. But um, yeah. So September. So I'm this calendar for me is like assuming I'm at school. Um, so September one is the opener of dove season. And so I don't have anything marked down for that. Um, I don't, I would, I would, I don't have any dove spots around where I'm at. If I, if I lived where I grew up, I would be going out dove hunting um, the first of September probably, but I just don't have any spots around here. And if you live in the greater Northeastern Kansas area, and you want to take me on a dove hunt September 1st, feel free to reach out to me. Cause if I had, if I had a great opportunity, I might go and do it and get Georgie on her first hunt. Um, but what I'm, I've got slated the fifth of sat of, um, September, that is the Nebraska teal opener. And so right now I have on my calendar going up to Nebraska and hunting the fifth and the sixth. And then I've got off school cause it's labor day on the seventh. But I have got, I have not made any contacts with anyone up there. I've got a couple of options of who I could contact. Haven't done it because part of me is like, well, I mean, I could go out West. I could just scout normally that weekend. Uh, we just scout, 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 scout. And that's normally why I don't dove hunt because I want, when it comes to teal season, I want to do a lot of scouting the week before because the scouting I do the week before covers my scouting for the rest of the year. I've got so many places I need to scout. I need to see what's the vegetation like. Um, just get an idea to how everything's looking. And if I don't do that, then it, it really makes it difficult later on in the season. If I'm going to just blind hunt someplace and I've never even laid eyes on it at all in the fall, it makes it a lot more difficult. So I don't, so I still am not so sure. What Elliot's saying is if you live in Nebraska and you have a really good till hunt lined up for that weekend, Give him a call. I'll tell you hit, what. Hit him up on Instagram. He might come. If you if you if you teal hunt on the eastern side of Nebraska, eastern southeastern, where it's not that far, I would be much more likely to go than like a three or four hour trip. But you know, I don't know because that brings a lot of problems. Like, do I take Georgie on that with strangers? Do I just take her and only work? Cause she has, that's going to be your first hunt. What do I do with Georgie in that? Should I try to get her on a dove hunt and do it that way? I could go back out West to my uncle's property and do a dove hunt around, you know, with Aiden. I could do something like that. Yeah. So, I think doves a, aren't as easy as ducks for dogs, to be honest. Well, no. And they've got, they're really feathery, which dogs, but I mean, Georgie has already experienced the feathery with the pigeons. So I, I think she could do it. Um, and she would be fine with it, but I would much rather be shooting teal in Nebraska than I would. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, if my school is starting the ninth, let's say, and then I hunt that first weekend and I'm, and I'm road tripping and then I just have like the beginning of a school year is a hectic time. So to be going on a big road trip and not getting much sleep and hitting that first day of work would be, would be a rough one too. But so I haven't fully decided on that. Um, 
Then on the then that next weekend is the Kansas Teal opener. So I will I will probably ninety percent chance be going out west to um, central western Kansas for that, where we always normally go. Then the second weekend of teal season, I'll probably hunt here at home. And then the third weekend of teal season, I plan to go back out west. So for teal season, I could I could either hunt somewhere between five and nine times. Because now I've got this new teal place, which I don't know if you've seen. You've probably seen the videos where I've been doing so much scouting this year. Um, there's a place 15 minutes from my house that I am just now learning about since I moved. And if that place has good teal then I could even do that after school sometimes. So normally I get in five teal hunts. I might be able to get in as many as nine this year. Awesome. Does that wrap up your September? That wraps up my September. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping for a, a for four bird average during teal season. If I could do a four bird average and shoot high sixties percent wise, I'd be, I'd be thrilled. I'm just hoping to shoot four teal. <laughs> Well, just think if I, if I, if I went on seven hunts and I averaged four birds a hunt, we'd be talking 28 birds at the end of September. Yeah. And that's not that unreasonable to think about because right now, last year I pissed and moaned about the, the conditions and the lack of the habitat. Well, this off season could not have played out any better for Kansas food production. I mean, it is just perfect. So we, it's going to be a good year unless, and we could always get last second floods that ruin it all, but. I mean, it, if you asked what's the perfect scenario for the state as far as duck production, it has happened. Nice. Nice. All right. Real quick, big thanks to the Alaskan Viking with the super chat there. Um, I will say um, I'm saving up every super chat you send me for my ticket out to Alaska to hunt with you. <laughs> <laughs> Assuming that I get an invite. Uh, Only eight dollars away from a duck a duck a uh, um, <laughs> sketch. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Um. So my September again, like uh. So Michigan opens up September first. If I can find, so uh, it's getting harder and like there's so many days I want to take off. That's the problem, and I just don't have an infinite number of days to take off. If I did. I would have so many more cool hunting trips, but I shouldn't complain at all. But Michigan, no, you shouldn't, because you get to work, you get to hunt. Your your whole work crew goes and hunts all the all the time. How many? You're so blessed. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but that's yeah. It's different. I, I understand. It's I know, different. I, I mean, I'm I definitely. You are right. I love. I love that uh, part of my job. I love a lot of parts of my job. So uh, definitely. But anyway, so September first, Michigan. Teal opener. I'm going to try to find a way to hunt teal in Michigan um, September 1st. I got some spots in mind. I'm just going to have to do some scouting here and try to find some that are like within an hour away from work and just um, make sure that I can be in by like, I don't know, <laughs> just a couple hours late or something. That would be a dream. So I'm going to try to do that. Um, but then, like I said, Michigan teal opens up September 1st. Um, so that first weekend, September 5th, uh, I'm hoping to to get up on on some till up in Michigan, um, and then or local geese because I've gone out with Kevin. Kevin's in the past with uh, the early goose season, so those are my options there. Um, and then it's not too long after that we get our Indiana season, so I'll just split till and goose 
whatever I can get scouted and find for the majority of just September. Um, all the way up till the last weekend. The last weekend of September is actually Michigan North Zone opener up in UP. UP Michigan opens up September 26th for Big Duck, which is awesome. And it's, it's on like the same latitude longitude as like South Dakota. So it's what's way the date? Up. What's the date on that? The 26th. So it's way it's way up there. Um, you know, as far as you know, up up north. So it, it opens up super early. Like I thought that was crazy that you could go shoot big ducks that weekend. Um, but I'm hoping to get on that. Uh, been talking to Zach outdoor <laughs> outdoors. He's he's one of our. Uh, uh, he's he's up in the chat right now, actually. So, uh, long time we, viewer, long yeah. time viewer, long time. Yep. So hoping you've know, been talking to him. We'll probably connect at least on one hunt during that time, since that's he's up there, uh, way up there, up in Michigan. So that's that's the inaugural chasing the opener hunt that I start, and then every weekend after that, um, you know, I follow the openers. So then we got our central opener last year, which was a blast last year. Me and Swamp Man went up to Central Michigan um, and got on. We shot our limit the first day. We shot um, some good birds the second day. We had to leave pretty quick, though, or else we would have definitely had um, some better, you know, better uh, or a better hunt that day if we would have been on able the second to stay day? longer. On the second day? Yeah, on the second day. The first day. We how, how many did you end up shooting on that second day? Uh, we shot five. I asked because I just couple days ago, finished my review video of your Michigan opener the first, duck hunt. I the first really day, enjoyed right? that. The first day. I, yeah, I finished the first day. And on the end of it, it's like part two coming soon. And I was curious how you guys did. So, yeah, no, I was, really enjoyed that, was, that video. That was really, that was a lot of fun. So I'm really yeah. looking forward to that central zone opener. But actually, I'm, I guess I'm going past my September. So I'll go through my October, then I'll pass it back to you. So, yeah, we uh, got a couple, central... couple questions. Okay, go ahead. Um, what is the, the teal season in Michigan? Do they have, cause I know in Indiana, you guys, do you have a teal season in Indiana? We do, but it's, uh, like two weeks and a weekend and like, it's I not just very good. I haven't found anywhere that really has good teal populations to hunt. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I know, like I know places where I can go shoot a couple, mm-hmm. but I, I want to try to find places where I can shoot limits, you know? Yeah. What, so. what is, um, what, what is it like in Michigan? Uh, it's, it's very similar. You just got to get closer to the flowers. I think, um, you know, I've heard the same from people around there, but I mean, I know where I hunted around the areas where I hunted last year. There's a lot of guys that talk to that see a lot of till and have limits. It's not like the central flyway, but it's like the opening day of season, maybe the opening two days of season. There's people who shoot limits if you know where to go, if you're doing your scouting, but after that, it definitely falls off hard. But even then, like I know I, I didn't go teal hunting till I think the third weekend of Michigan opener, and we went out there and um, we saw teal. We just yeah, nobody had scouted to find where the teal were. It was it was just like we're going to this spot, and then we hunted that spot, and then we had yeah. some some teal show up. But um, if we were able to get to where we saw the birds going, you know, um, and part of that was just equipment. We just had kayaks there, and there's it was a big marsh. And we just physically couldn't get to where the birds were without now you know. do you 
that 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 uh, pool that you and Swamp Man hunted on Michigan opener would that be a decent teal hole or a possibility as one of the yeah, places? That would be a good good one. The problem is if it's four hours away, you know how do you scout it? So yeah, but I really go. liked that pool. It's a really cool place. Yeah, it was. You just have to go for it. Yeah, the thing about teal, I my feelings about teal have changed, and um, when we used to hunt bluing teal. 15, 20 years ago, I liked it, but it wasn't a decoying sport. It was a pass shooting sport. And that was back when we were using Mallard decoys, blowing Mallard calls and no spinner. And, um, since the, you can use spinners and, and people, some guys will say that spinners is the only reason. And I absolutely do not believe that at all. I think it's a combination. I know that teal loves spinners. I know that they do, but I've got plenty of video of watching a teal, suck into a spinner, but still be a passing shot. And I've seen lots of early season teal videos on YouTube of people with spinners out only shooting passing shots. So um, it has evolved now with teal decoys and teal calls and, and spinners to be in a, a decoying sport. And so my love for teal hunting is skyrocketed since um, it's just so much better. And in the, the central flyway, you know, um, Nebraska, Kansas. I can't really speak for Oklahoma, but I'm assuming Oklahoma. I can't, I just, it's hard for me to fathom the teal hunter, teal hunting year in and, and year out any better than yeah. these places. And it's well, Texas just flocks is definitely, of birds. Texas is known too for having crazy teal seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder if the central flyaway is the best teal hunting flyaway. Um, well, I don't think they have the, the teal seasons. Like uh, uh, I know Titus doesn't have an early teal season. In California, yeah. so I don't know if they don't have teal seasons out there on the Pacific Flyway at all. I think it's it's more of like a Central Flyway thing, and we have it out here um, on the Mississippi Flyway. But one thing that I really wish that Indiana would do is take from some of these other states that have done it, um, like Tennessee and Kentucky, um, where they have a wood duck and teal season. Yeah, I, I wish my side my side of the state is is not as good as the central part of the state, and so I wish the same thing here because I've been on plenty of teal hunts in, on this side of the state where you know you could have shot three or four wood ducks and maybe only shot one teal. So, and they've actually talked about it in Kansas as well. That that would certainly be a good addition. So, do you think Indiana Indiana might ever adapt that? Adopt I that? I, I hope so, but I have no idea if it's in the in the works. I I kind of doubt it, but. The only states that currently have it that I know of are Tennessee, Kentucky. I mean, those are right under me. Um, and then also um, Florida has it, which is on the Atlantic Flyway. So um, I, th- I just think, you know, like with Wood Duck, we only have like a really good two two weeks with them usually, you know, in the first thin ice that we get and they're just gone, like just gone, yeah. gone. So it's like, yeah. I mean, that's almost the same as a, a bluing till, just a little bit worse. So. <laughs> I guess it's a lot. You might you think know. about looking into who who in your state um, puts together the the bag limits and and reach out to them and just start a conversation. Yeah, wouldn't hurt. No, it wouldn't hurt. So I, I wouldn't mind doing that here in this state too, because I I never knew that they talked about it until I found out someone told me that they had. <laughs> I didn't even know it was on the table. Yeah, and I've um, I've actually hunted in Kentucky, and I was hoping to shoot wood duck, um, and we went out there for two days, and all I shot was teal. So, yeah. Why do you think that the a little bit off topics? So why do you think the wood duck limit is so low when it seems like there's so many of them? 
I don't know. I mean, they don't do a, an aerial count for wood duck the same way they do everything else. You're, yeah. So, so maybe they just don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I'm not complaining because it seems like when you go on a wood duck hunt, you have a really good hunt. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm happy with that three bird where it's at. So I don't know. I guess if it's not broke, yeah. don't fix it. <clears throat> yeah, that makes sense. So, well, before I get into October, I do want to say about this schedule, I mean – <clears throat> you have to travel a little farther forth than I do, Jordan. But when, when you have an early teal season, so which for me, if I go to Nebraska, it starts on the very first weekend of September. From September to the third week of February, that's September, October, November, December, January, that's six months. There is one weekend that I can't dr- just drive two hours and have hunting. And that weekend would be in October. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that would still be early zone youth hunt. So if I have a kid, I can still hunt on that weekend. So, I mean, that's six months, six yeah. months of, of chasing. That's a long time. And the cool <laughs> thing, the thing I love about this state so much that I, I used to think I'd love to live in the Dakotas, but I've, I've since decided I would not like that. And the reason I wouldn't like it is because I think up there, they constantly have the feeling of, oh, no, the birds are going to leave. You know, it's like – right. When we get a cold front, it's like I every cold front I just am in love with because the thought of more birds, the thought of more birds. If you're up in North Dakota or Canada or even like, you know, Phil Conkey talks about up in South Dakota, you're going to be constantly paranoid about the birds leaving. Or if you're a little farther south, you're constantly seeing them. I mean, we we ne- the birds never get all the way south of us here yeah. completely. I mean, maybe in your area, if you get eight to 10 inches of snow then that might. But as soon as that snow melts, they're right back. And so we have the opportunity in September to see first the first couple of weeks is basically all blue wings. Then the third week, you start getting a little mix, more mix of green wings in. And then the low season opener, um, it's blues and greens and pintails and widgeons. And, and then the gadwalls and mallards start coming. And, and, you know, and then they start fading out. And it turns to all mallards, and the Canada geese start coming. I mean, you the entire you get to experience the entire progression of the migration. And there's I, I'm an avid bird lover. I love to songbirds. I love identifying birds. I got a checklist where if I see a new a new bird, I check it off my list. So for me, just watching the weather and seeing all these different species coming through at different times and then getting to hunt and harvest them from September clear up through, you know, late January. Okay. Now they're coming back. Now there's pintails back. Um, It's just, it's truly, truly amazing to be able to experience it, experience it on that level. And, and, you know, Jordan, you and I are both lucky enough that, and and you're a little unfortunate because in Indiana it's like mallards and you don't get to see the multi-species migration. But if you're going out, at least once every week, then you're, you're fully experiencing it. And it's just a true blessing to, to experience the migration on, on that type of, that type of a level. Yeah. Um, so I guess I should go into October now. I just, I just am never, I'm just so amazed, especially at this time of the year when there's no ducks around to start thinking about it. It's just awesome. Um, so October, so the last weekend of Kansas teal season is the 26th, 27th. And then we've got that weekend off to where you could go youth hunt um, if you wanted to, um, if you have a kid. Then the earliest zone in Kansas opens up on the 10th. So we're going back to where basically the area that I grew up. When I say I'm going west, I'm going back to where I grew up. And that's where we're hunting the the prairie marshes. And the prairie marshes, 
are just so cool. So such amazing environment. And you've heard me talk about them and Jordan, you've had a chance to experience them. Um, it's just a neat, neat environment. And so I've got two hunts that weekend. Then the weekend of the 17th, um, I will probably take that weekend off and we celebrate kids' birthdays that weekend. Then the weekend after that is the youth opener here locally. And I will either take little Penny out for her first youth hunt, or I might do like a, a one night trip back West where I leave Friday night, put up the bivy hunt Saturday, and then come rushing back. And that puts me clear up until, um, the end of October. So October, I'm only looking at having one, two, three, four hunts, only four hunts in October versus October, one, two, three, four, five, six, maybe seven, somewhere between five and seven, but probably only four in, in October, just because around where I, I can only go, I can only travel on the weekends and camp so many weekends. You know I mean? I can only yep. realistically be away from my family so many times. So I've got you know, maybe a couple weekend trips. My first sketch of my calendar was like five out of six weeks I was traveling. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a little bit much. But yeah. so October is a very, very special time because I'm prairie marsh hunting. And that's when the pintails start rolling in. And we don't shoot a bunch of them. If I can shoot one during that time, I'll be happy and widgeon. And and so it's a I love the month of October. Yeah, I'd be happy if I could shoot just one, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to kill them when you see them. You've had you've had enough opportunities now that you know. Yeah, two's all you this need, point. right? Two opportunities. Two opportunities. <laughs> how okay? How many would you say I should have killed that shots of you? I, I legitimately control? could have killed three at this point. So so oh for three. Just just to go for them. So first one. Okay, I I was standing outside of my blind. Everybody else was. We're like changing the decoys or something. But I was standing next to the blind. And literally, this pintail, this giant, fully plumed January pintail, just cups his wings in and and starts gliding in. And I just, I'm just looking at it, and I'm like five feet away from the blind, and and I just look at it, and it gets about to like thirty yards, and then it flares off. And like I could have just like stepped over real quick and grabbed my gun and took a shot, um, but like I was just like in awe and I just froze and didn't even go for my gun. So that was the first opportunity I ever had. Um, again, if we're just in the blind, like that thing would have finished and somebody would have got him. Um, but everybody was out changing decoys. So that's the first Pintel I ever had work. Uh, the second one on that same hunt, we had a group come over us at like 25 yards and it was like a passing shot. And we, we stood up, took it right over top and my gun jammed on the second shot. I had one shot at it. I missed my gun jammed on the second shot. That was the only jam up I had of the whole hunt. Was on oh that, my gosh! On that pintail from ice. <clears throat> so, those are my two. Third pintail I had a chance at. Kansas hunting with Josh from Outdoor Limits, and we have that pair come in again. It was probably 25, 30 yards. Um, so these aren't chip shots. They're like stretching it a little bit. And I take the first shot, and I, I mean I watched gunshot cam. I clearly missed. I was like left, and I was. I was low low and left, low and in front of it, just a tad. And I missed. And, like, I mean, it was close to hitting it. And I already, I'd already limited out in redheads, and the sun was just setting. So you know how, like, the sun comes right over the edge and it's super orange? Well, it's hitting the bird in a way that it made it look like it was a redhead. Like, it legitimately looked kind of funny. But I thought it was Yeah, well, that, that, that coloration on their heads is a little bit iridescent. 
Yeah, and when the sun hit it like that. So Josh mm-hmm. was like, it's a redhead, it's a redhead, it's a redhead. And so I stopped shooting. But the whole time I stopped shooting, I was like, it was a pintail, it was a pintail. <laughs> and so and it didn't have a sprig. That's the other thing. It didn't have a sprig. So those are my three opportunities. I would not say any of those are great opportunities. <laughs> it's not like I've gone yeah. for three on a uh, a 15-yard decoying pintail or something like that. Yeah. Probably you're unlucky at that, that you, if you had those same opportunities over again, I bet you it's probably above 80% chance that you kill one of those. Don't you think? Maybe more. I don't know. If you had those same opportunities over again. I mean, so, so far, I mean, I've, I'm oh for two on shots and I've, you know, about 50% shooting rate. So that's yeah. it. That's it. it. You know. So, uh, my favorite really quick pintail story, because I know we're going off the trail a little bit, but we're out hunting at Cheyenne Bottoms, which is the best prairie marsh on the planet as far as being huge and feeling like you're away from everything. And and my dad and I got so far back that it was like, felt like no one was around for miles. And there wasn't that many ducks working that day, but every single group, it seemed like we saw it sucked right in. And we had, we were in, we were in our tiny little Karsten's layout boats where we we were using the grass mats and just laying on our backs and izzy was there and i think my dad's other dog ebony was there and man i don't know if we shot our limit i think we came really close to shooting our limit and it was greenheads and pintails i mean i remember one pintail that landed off the left of my dad where he can't shoot it was like behind him it like landed like five feet from the back corner of him and these birds were just hovering down all around us at like 10 to 15 feet, like groups of three here, groups of four there, a little pack of mallards, a little pack of pintails. And, and we shot two pintails each. And I think maybe two or three or I don't remember exactly how many mallards I shot my first spec that day, but I can still see some of these. This was before I was filming. There's a couple of, especially one um, where this Drake just came from behind us. And you know how their heads are kind of, they stick their heads kind of down and their wings are all back as they're just, just, Oh my gosh. It was beautiful, beautiful blue day. And the lights were just perfect on the birds and man, <laughs> it was something else. See those, I hear all these stories, see all these videos and I shouldn't complain. Cause I've had like, I've had good hunts in Kansas, but I still haven't had the spectacular ones yet. Yeah. I'm waiting for one <laughs> of those and I know it'll come someday. That's what I'm waiting for. Yeah. Well, the problem is we have more mediocre days than we have fantastic days. It's just, you know, and when you come a couple hunts a year, it's just going to take enough hunts in there to have one happen. Yeah. Now the one with you and Josh, that was a pretty awesome hunt. It was, no, it was, it was a, it was a fantastic mixed bag. Yeah. All right. You're October. You're October. Okay. October. So, um, I'm continuing on the chasing the mission, getting opener at the North zone, September, um, then Central Zone, again, like one of our favorites from that. Um, and then we'll be down to the South Zone of Michigan. Um, so definitely, you know, I'll be, I'll be, uh, hopefully I'll be hunting with Kevin's again. Um, we've, we've been talking back and forth. So I think that uh, I got an invite with them. Honestly, they've become some of my just good hunting buddies at this point. We hunted with so much last season. And I mean, those guys are just straight killers. You know, they're just great at everything outdoors. So, uh, can't complain about that, hooking up with those guys and hunting with them, um, you know, sharing some hunts that way. So uh, I think that'll that'll cover, like, we actually don't open up for two weekends. Like, there's the south zone, and then I'll, I'll hunt south zone again, most likely, um, you know, of Michigan. And then our Indiana opener, 
for North Zone is the 24th. So uh, going to Michigan is just huge. I actually get four weekends extra of Big Duck before before Indiana opens up, you know. And, and, and before last season, I just always waited till Indiana opened. It's just, like, crazy that you can just travel. I mean, not that much, really. I mean, I guess most people consider, like, four hours a lot. But that's how far I have to get to, like, the edge of the <laughs> central zone in Michigan. So, but for me, extending my season, I mean, yeah, it's – it's super easy for me to do that. Like, easy decision, I should say. Um, now, does but, Mi- Michigan have pintails? Yeah. More so? Yeah, I mean, I don't know about more so, but, I mean, I would say the Mississippi Flyway just doesn't have as many. But, yeah. um, you know, kind of going over to the Flyways a little bit more. Like, we're smack dab in the middle of the state. The Flyways kind of go and follow the Great Lakes, which just funnels the birds around us. And they kind of spread out further you know, further south you get, but we're like in line with the Great Lakes. So it seems like the flyways kind of go the east and west of us pretty good. I think that's the same way for everybody in Michigan. It's better on the west and east side. And then Indiana, it's better kind of, you know, you just <clears throat> obviously you just got to follow the flyways. Um, but yeah, so that kind of takes me to the end of October. Um, I'm definitely, I got one special thing planned that, um, I don't think I have the dates nailed down, but I'm doing, uh, I'm planning to have an awesome trip going out and doing an Iowa pheasant hunt. So that's mm. a little off from, um, the, the duck hunting thing, but I'm, I'm super pumped for that. One of my, honestly, one of my bucket list things is to, I mean, my grandpa was a huge pheasant hunter. You guys watch on the live stream, you know, you, you see the pheasant mount every week on the live stream. Um, I got multiple in the basement. They're all grandpas. Um, so he was a huge pheasant upland hunter, you know, and so getting a wild pheasant, getting a, a taste of that, um, definitely a bucket list for me. So um, that'll be in there either the end of October or beginning of November is what I'm thinking. But I got to look at the dates again. I can't remember when it is. Sometime in October, huh? I can't remember. I can't remember when the dates are. So I have to look at that again. That's one thing I don't have. Who who are you? You got you got a connection there or something? Yeah, yeah. Now, I've been ta- I've tell. I've been talking to um, Chase in Iowa. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he he creates YouTube content as well. Awesome. Yeah, I would love to get in a pheasant hunter too. I just don't have the time for it. If my schedule were to open up, I would do it. But because I've got the places, I just don't. I'm not going to sacrifice a waterfowl hunt for it. Unless my schedule opens up more. So on to November, right? Yep. So right now I've got eight hunts planned, ten- tentatively planned in November. Um, could actually be nine. I'm not sure. But if you count the 31st of October, so 31st of October, that's when waterfowl hunting opens up in my zone of the state. And I absolutely hate openers um, around this part. There's just a lot denser population and it's just i i can't recall i can recall a couple decent openers we've had that i've enjoyed but mostly it's just so packed in with people that it's more frustrating than it's worth so i would like to go ahead and go out west during that weekend again um and just kind of get away and then the second weekend of november which would be the seventh then i'll hunt somewhere here locally 12th 13th i've got the 11th off um of November. And so I could hunt that day. I could also take like a couple days off there, like the 12th and the 13th and do some extended hunting, um, 
So if I took the 12th and 13th off, I'd have the 12th, 13th, 14th, and the 15th. So um, I can get in some extended hunting there. And then, but everything in November is pretty much going to be just here um, in my local area. And we've had some Novembers when, when we have good food production around me, we do really, really well, because like I said, there's a denser population of people here. So there are certain on our, on our public wildlife areas, they're normally around lakes and you get a couple of pools that they grow millet, smartweed, put corn in typically millet, or they like to plant millet, but every now and then they'll put a little corn in. And they're very easy to get to. They're very easy to access. And so everyone that's just kind of a, you know, the guys that hunt, and there's nothing wrong with this, but a guys that hunt, you know, five to seven, eight times in a year, they don't go out and do tons of scouting. So all they really know are these main pools and, and these main pools are the duck food pools. So really quickly, what the ducks learn to do is they night feed and then the guys go in there in the morning and the ducks fly out and then they come to some of these pools that are loafing pools with less food production and harder to get to harder to find. And that's where we focus on. And so when our main pools are saturated with duck food, we tend to do really, really well at these loafing pools. So, um, I will probably in November not leave the area I'm hoping because it'll be so good. And if last year we had to leave the area because of the flooding and it just didn't, it didn't work well. When, when the heavily hunted pools have tons of duck food, it's good. And so hopefully we'll just be pounding these marshes here locally. But it, with that extended trip, I could, I still want to take a trip up there to South Dakota, Nebraska border. Now the weekend of the 14th might be a little bit early. Their peak mallard season or their peak mallards is somewhere between the third and fourth weekend of November. So going up there a week early might be touch and go as far as um, being too early. And that's something you and I could talk about too, Jordan. That might actually be a closer trip um, Mm. for you to meet up there. I don't know what the distance is, but anyway, it's going to be a heavily hunt hunt month. We're going to get in a lot of hunts, but probably not quite as much travel. Nice. So does that fill out your November? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay, we'll jump to mine. Honestly, it feels like my season, like November, in the last few years, it just dies out like pretty hard. You know, we have some really good hunts kind of with our opener for a couple opener weeks. But then after that, we really have to hunt um, the migration. So, um, you know, as far as like cold fronts and weather and all that, uh, which isn't a bad thing. It's just it, it just feels like a little bit harder to get on the birds. Um so I might try that's that's probably when I'll try to do different, you know, different stuff and try different places and new things. Um, you know, just always trying to expand my game and, and, and become a better duck hunter. Uh so, you know, that's it really does come down to the long game, which is, you know, broadening horizons and trying different things. So uh that'll probably be a lot of my testing period. I do definitely want to make a Kansas trip again this year. So we're talking somewhere in the middle of the month. Um, doing a Kansas trip. And I mean, you promised as usual, you promised that if I come out that I'm going to get five drakes and one pintail. So <laughs> <laughs> it can happen in November. There's still some around. I, I've not shot that many on this side of the state, but it has <laughs> happened. Not many. Yeah. Well, but I mean, the one I did, the most recent one I shot, the most recent pintail drake I shot was in this part of the state in November. Yeah. And November, remember, do you remember Moby? The, uh, uh-huh. 
hybrid farm duck. He was in November too. Nice. Maybe he's maybe Moby's still out there. Mallard Drake with pure white wings. <laughs> Moby the Moby the duck. Yeah, could be. So not not Moby the duck. Moby duck. <laughs> so I'm hoping you know yeah. that'll be like rounding off my November. I really don't have a lot of excuse me a lot of stuff in November uh, planned. You know, pretty much pretty much nothing compared to the rest of the season where it's all planned out, planned out. It's just scout here locally. Trying to find birds, um, and then hunt with Elliot in Kansas. So that's the yeah. extent of my November. Um, but I'll go ahead. I'll jump to December, and this is something we're both involved in. And I don't know if we've ever seen this, if anyone has ever said the official dates. But first, first week of December, we're having our Flyways collab, where we're going to make tons of awesome collab content with um, all the Flyways guys. You guys know them all. So, but I'll mention them anyway. Uh, Josh Outdoor Limits, Freelance Duck Hunting, uh, me, Duck and Chronicles, Matt, High Prairie Sportsman, Thomas from Virginia Outdoors Unlimited, and Titus from Mid Valley Mercenaries. Um, that is the full flyway crew. So definitely be checking out. We got we got some cool stuff in the works um, for all of that. But that's going to be our flyway um, collab for the year. And, yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. I can't wait. I'm not sure how many days I'm going to be able to get on that. I'm planning on taking the Friday off and the Monday off. <clears throat> but So I could hunt Monday also if I wanted. The problem is if I hunt Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then I've got to go to work back work on Tuesday. Oh, man. I don't. It scares me that I won't be able to efficiently do my job. <laughs> you just <laughs> need an we'll extra see. cup of coffee. You'll be fine. Yeah, well. Drinking a lot of coffee or not drinking a lot of coffee is not a problem that I have. I drink a couple coffee, consume quite a bit. Cups of coffee, take another uh, Benadryl or not Benadryl, yeah, ibuprofen. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's not that far away from me that um, where where we're meeting. It's only like an hour and forty five minutes away, maybe two hours. So it's not far away. We're gonna kill it. So I'm so pumped. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. It's and I'm excited because that that area of the state. Um, I used to hunt in the, what would it be? Mid to late nineties. I hunted quite a bit, but then I moved a little farther North. And so it's a little out of my reach now. So it's kind of exciting to go and focus. It's a pretty part of the, pretty part of the state, pretty part of the state, <clears throat> different than where I live awesome. and different than where you've seen too. It's, it's, it's yeah. the Flint Hills are a different, different beast. Beautiful, beautiful place. Awesome. Well, yeah. Um, so I, th- I mean, wrapping up the rest of December. I mean, we have our late split. I mean, that takes me to the end of pretty much the end of our duck season. Um, then we have our late split, which is the last week, and Michigan has their late split duck, which is the last weekend. So you know, in between those two, I'll get on a couple more ducks, um, a couple more duck hunts, a few more duck hunts. Who knows? Maybe I'll hunt every day of the Christmas break, <laughs> duck or the duck split, the Christmas duck split. Um, you know. Who knows what'll happen after that? It's that's all the further I got planned tentatively on all that. So you got anything else yeah. to add on that? I really just planned up until the Flyways Collective because, you know, with my schedule with school and everything, there's talk that they might let out at Thanksgiving and I might have all of December and half of January off, which would be a dream come true for me if that took place. But yeah. you know, when it, I, when it gets that far into it, I know I'm going to be hunting every Saturdays over. I've got, I'll probably have off from like the 20 at the minimal I'll have off from the 21st of December till like the 7th of January. So, but I don't know, I don't put them in my calendar cause I just don't know what days 
I'm going to hunt on those. I typically hunt the 22nd. I typically hunt like the 26th or 27th, but I've got so many days off. It just depends on weather patterns and how much I'm going to go. I don't know. So, um, and I'm not, I'm not going to be traveling. It's just all at home hunting. So I just, I, there's no reason for me to schedule it like the other days. I just have to wait and see what happens. Yep. Well, talking about our schedules just makes it seem one step closer to actually being in season, you know, countdown here. Um, I think, you know, from the day this thing's coming out, which will be, which as long as I don't screw up the scheduling or anything, this should be come out the 28th of July, which puts us to three. Yeah. 34 days. It'll be 34 days away is the, the beginning of waterfowl season, which I, I consider September 1st. So, um, pretty crazy. Now, do you have anything going on in January or are you, you, uh, kind of don't do you um, you still have goose hunting don't you oh yeah we have goose hunting all the way through february yeah we, like i mean we've got full full open january for duck hunting too so um but some of some of that is just the southeast zone which i'm only an hour and a half away from that so we'll hit down the southeast zone and i'll, I'll probably get in five six duck hunts in january and then i've got a special trip scheduled the first weekend of february down with chad dawson which I don't know if you remember him. He was a he's a Delta guy, and um, we had him on one time. But the audio I tried to do it from, I think is when I tried to do it from my uncle's lodge, and the audio was so bad we couldn't even use it. So he's invited me to go down there in February just for a straight goose hunt. So I'm excited. That'll be that'll be cool. Awesome. Yeah. So we got our work cut out. Hopefully a lot of limits. Hopefully a lot of good hunts, good memories, and you know doing what we love, getting out there duck hunting. Absolutely. It's it's coming fast. It's going to be here. It's right on us. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap this one up. So um, any last words, Elliot, before we, we jump out of this? Nope. For those of you that are on the live stream, are we going to – we're doing recording a doubleheader tonight. Are we going to go ahead and, and keep rolling on through? Um. Yeah. As soon as I just okay. clean up the outro for the for this podcast. <laughs> nah, that you never clean that stuff up. You always put it in there. So if you are <laughs> listening, guys, find us on Facebook, Fellowship of the Duck Guns, Instagram, Duck Gun Chronicles and Freelance Duck Hunting, TikTok, um, YouTube. Can I believe I almost forgot to say the YouTube channels? <laughs> Definitely YouTube as well. We've got lots of cool, cool content coming out. In fact, we should, we should have talked about this, Jordan. The review videos are coming out now. So get on YouTube and check out all the Flyways Collective guys because by the time this goes on, we're going to have Flyway Collective duck hunt review videos out on and published. Yep. So, all right, folks. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Duck Gun, duck gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting. And we'll see you guys on the next one. Alrighty, fellas, that is a wrap on this week's podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. Um, guys, this is going to be a little bit of a running theme here <laughs> to end the podcast. But guys, I got to plug it. I need you guys to help me out on this. I am in the challenge against Matt um, racing on our YouTube channels to 10K. And right now I'm getting, I'm getting beat up. He's 400 ahead of me. And season's closing in, and it won't be long till one of us hits 10K. And I need your guys' help, every help I can get to beat him to 10K. So if you guys watch hunting videos on YouTube at all, this is the time I'm calling on you. Please hit that sub button. All right, fellas, I'm Jordan, Duck and Chronicles. We'll see you guys on the next one.